Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Today, we're going to come at you with a snippet for success. It's a beautiful day here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was getting some inspiration. I was reading this new Netflix book that's making its rounds, No Rules, Rules, Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. It's by Reed Hastings, who's their CEO. What a talented guy. Uh, It's an unbelievable story about how he launched Netflix into the face of the giant blockbuster, which those of you in my age bracket around 30 years old remember as kind of the stalwart of entertainment. And of course, Netflix is the conglomerate that we know today, worth hundreds of billions of dollars, dominates the industry, whereas Blockbuster literally has one store operating in Bend, Oregon or something like that now. Um, So his story of success is a wild one. He really believes in culture and the the culture at Netflix is a really radical one. Well, one thing that stood out in here is this concept that he describes as talent density. And I thought this would be a good thing for us to talk about today on our snippet. The concept of talent density is talented people make one another more effective. This is something I touched on in a previous podcast that I'm really passionate about. Uh, I really believe in this, that your your successful people, your winners, your studs, they want to be around other winners. They want to be around other studs. They want to be encouraged and supported by people who are at the top of their game. You see that with like, oh, think about your sports analogies, right? Like uh, Michael Jordan and what demands he puts on his team, LeBron James and the teammates he wants to surround himself with and the teams they make, right? I mean, it, it does apply in business as well that if you're a stud HR person, you don't want to be in some crappy company that's on the downfall. You want to be at Netflix on the rise. You want to see people being successful around you. You want your co-workers to be the most successful versions of themselves. And you want to work in a culture that really promotes all those things to be the same. This is the true burden of being a leader is creating an environment that you can really keep these uh, talented people incentivized. You can keep these talented people well-paid and keep these talented people on your team. I mean, holding on to your racehorses is one of the most difficult and challenging parts of being a leader, but also the key thing that you do, keeping the most talented people in the industry, the most talented people for their jobs in your company and in their positions and keeping them doing their best work. That's kind of the leadership in a nutshell, right? So I touched on this concept of talent density and to bring it back home to that, you know, I touched on the idea that these people wanted to be around one another. And he does a great way of summarizing this. I'd never thought to label it talent density. You know, the the concept that uh, you could have fewer people in your company and increase the talent density and therefore the output and productivity is a cool way of summarizing it. You know, another way of putting it is to eliminate the weak links on your team. We've seen this ever since we were in grade school, right? And you're assigned to like a project with five people or whatever. Well, if you have five people who are all contributing, you guys get into that virtuous cycle, do your best work, promote the best outcome and get the best result. Whereas if you have that one person who's just not pulling their weight, it drags everyone down and it kills all of their energy. It kills all their enthusiasm. So he summarized this well. I'm gonna read you guys some snippets from the book here. Uh, And again, that book, I really recommend it just from cracking it open and getting into the first chapter here is No Rules Rules. So Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. It's written by Reed Hastings and he invited Aaron Mayer uh, to help with with this analysis. Uh, So anyway, so we learned that a company with really dense talent is a company everyone wants to work for. High performers especially thrive in environments where the overall talent density is high. That's the key factor right there, that if you want to have the best people, you need to have them in a great circumstance. That's going to inspire them to stay involved. That's going to inspire them to stay on your team. It's going to inspire them to be a part of your group, right? So I think that's a really key concept that you need to take away is that high performers especially thrive in environments where the overall talent density is high. 
Um, let's see. Most important, working with really talented colleagues was exciting, inspiring, and a lot of fun. Something that remains as true today with the company at 7,000 employees as it was back then at 80. That's really true too, that if you're around people who are doing their best work, and especially if there's a good working environment with good working relationships going on, you know, positive reinforcement, people are trying to be productive, trying to get great outcomes. That's where some of these things come that you weren't expecting. You know, that's where the company takes on a different uh, initiative. It takes on a new direction, maybe a new culture, or even a new uh, idea comes up that wouldn't have otherwise, you know, it's that virtuous cycle starts to promote great outcomes and great ideas. And it's all because these talented people are getting together and, and inspired to do their best work together. And, and this is a true uh, aspect of organizations where the sum of the parts are greater than any single part, right? Where people coming together and doing their best work with one another produces a different result than they ever could have done in a vacuum. I really believe in that. So this all came on the in the guys, so in the book, they described that basically he had to do a big layoff going from 120 down to 80 people during a difficult time in the business and specifically during the dot-com bust. And what he found was when he went down to the 80 people, they became more productive. And the way that he did it was he slashed, you know, 40 people who weren't necessarily even bad employees, as he described, just not the exceptional rock stars. And that was how he chose. So even though these 80 people had a larger workload as soon as those layoffs had occurred, which is oftentimes the case with layoffs, and he's sitting there worried that it's going to spiral in a really negative direction and have a really bad outcome for the business. Instead, he was getting the best work yet. So with that context in mind, what he's saying here is in hindsight, I understood that a team with one or two merely adequate performers brings down the performance of everyone on the team. Very important concept. If you have a team of five stunning employees and two adequate ones, the adequate ones will, and here's some bullet points for you guys, sap man managers energy so that they have less time for top performers reduce the quality of group discussions, lowering the team's overall IQ, force others to develop ways to work around them, reducing efficiency, drive staff who seek excellence to quit, and show the team you accept mediocrity, thus multiplying the problem. So let's talk about a couple of those real quick. Sapping the manager's energy so they have less time for the top performers. I talked about this on a previous podcast where I talked about our ranking system for A, B, and C employees. And that essentially that you can only have so many Bs on your team, like people who are developing into A's. And that's where a manager's uh, core time should go towards. Well, you know, if you have too many Bs or God forbid you have a bunch of Cs on your team, you know, underperformers or bad people you need to get out of the organization, who just aren't ever going to really click, then they're going to sap your energy and you're not going to have the resources for your racehorses that you need. And even those, you know, the, the maintenance that the A's are going to need is going to be diminished. So your managers are going to lose the ability to, to feed their strong players because they're distracted by their weak ones. That's a really core and important, um, uh, thing to consider. Reduce the quality of group discussions, lowering the team's overall IQ. This is true that, you know, in a classroom, especially they teach to the weakest student, right? They teach the weakest link. So if you have someone who's not a talent in a room, you have to slow things down. You have to explain to that common denominator and the smartest people aren't left to run, right? They aren't, you know, the people are grasping these things easier, stuck in a pedantic and boring conversation. And oftentimes they tend to tune out instead of getting extra engaged. It's why like uh, getting into Harvard or, or one of these Ivy Leagues, I really believe is such a big deal. You know, there's these people who argue that the school doesn't matter because everyone has the same content and you can in fact get that content online. But being in a classroom with a bunch of smart people does have a really positive effect. It's going to drag up your performance. It's going to teach you how high is up and it's going to create collaboration that you couldn't have before. And that's why I'm not a fan of what's going on with so much learning going to remote as a side note. But it really is true that, you know, you reduce your group's discussions when you have a weak person in the room. You got to be careful about that. 
you force others to develop ways to work around them, reducing efficiency. That's like the analogy I gave of the bad class project where you have the one person who's not pulling their weight. There's just the nightmare and it's going to cause everyone to work around that person. And in fact, instead of, you know, having an extra team member and all the salary and resources the company gives to that person, you know, and pays them and all these things that take away from other things, those resources could be developed towards instead of that being a positive thing for the company, it's in fact a negative in this moment. So that, that's something to really keep an eye on. Drive staff who seek excellence to quit. That's true. You know, winners don't want to be around losers. It's just a simple fact. It's a harsh fact of life, but it's a simple and true fact of life. So you will drive out your winners if you allow the losers to stick around and then you'll be stuck with nothing but losers. It's your worst case scenario. And then it shows the team that you accept mediocrity, thus multiplying the problem. So this is what I talk about with like getting your company into a virtuous cycle where thing, one good action begets another. Things are spiraling in the right direction. That's what a virtuous cycle is. Well, the same thing can happen the opposite way. You can have a downward spiral in your business as well. And this is a surefire way to get it. Having weak people around who aren't pulling their weight can really put your company in a downward spiral instead of into one of those virtuous cycles that I talk about on this podcast frequently. So he, he sums up this with, for top performers, a great workplace isn't about a lavish office, a beautiful gym, or a free sushi lunch. It's about the joy of being surrounded by people who are both talented and collaborative, people who can help you be better. When every member is excellent, performance spirals upwards as employees learn from, from and motivate one another. I think that is so well put that some of those nice things, you know, like a really nice headquarters building, nice perks, a big comp package, something like that. It does, go, it does help. I'm not going to lie and say that doesn't get you talented people and keep them on your team to some extent, but really ultimately you're going to need to inspire them. They're going to need to feel growth. And I'll tell you, no matter how much you pay your winners, it is, if it's only dollars and cents, keeping them around, if they don't feel engaged, if they don't feel like they're in a great environment where they're growing and they're heading towards exponential goals, you're going to lose them. And especially those huge talents that come along one in a lifetime, you know, the, the, um, Oh, what's her name? San Sandberg. Is that right? The COO for Facebook, you know, people like her are not going to Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg, right? She's not going to be in some mediocre organization. Steve jobs was not going to be in some mediocre place surrounded by mediocre people. Same with John Ive who uh, did all the design for Apple, right? They're going to be in a place where their talent can best be expressed. And if he was working for another company that couldn't, couldn't, harness that talent, then he probably would leave and that talent would get a brain suck, right? Or the, the company would get a, a talent suck. And I think that's, that's a big issue to keep an eye on in your business. I love this concept of talent density. You know, the idea that the denser you can keep the talent in your business, the better everyone's going to perform and the more likely you are going to be to attract talent. And oftentimes on this podcast, I'll talk about putting the wind in your sails, quote unquote, you know, making the easy decisions that take resistance out and make it so that your business is just supercharged and that you can turn your attention to more productive things. I talk about that for uncapped bonus programs and countless other examples on this podcast and we'll continue to for years. This is a great way to get some exponential growth, to get some wind in your sails, so to speak. If you are focused on talent density, the business is going to build itself on, from underneath you, right? And it's that concept that the best leaders surround themselves with smarter people than they are in each individual thing in each individual discipline and learn from them. I think that's a really key piece of talent density as well is that you can have just fantastic people who encourage other fantastic people to join and stay in the organization. That's huge, right? And especially if you have talent density in your HR and recruiting function, then you're going to really do a great job of that. So that's the concept for today. That's a snippet for success is to focus on building talent density in your team, in the, in, 
amongst your colleagues in your business, if you own a business, and even if you're just an employee listening to this podcast, to make sure that you're in a situation where the company values talent density, to look at the people and look at the colleagues around you and make sure that you're in a place where you're inspired and in a place where you're encouraged to do your best work and where you're enabled to do your best work, empowered to do your best work. I think that's a key concept. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, You can always reach me in the Blackwood Show on Instagram or theblackwoodshow at gmail.com. And I will talk at y'all soon.